Welcome to the Foundry Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Foundry Church or how to get involved, visit us at thefoundrychurch.com. All right, so here's the thing, church. Uh, we've been in this series where we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit of God. And each week we've taken one or two parts of that fruit and we kind of broke it down. And we looked and talked about how we could put this to action in our lives and where we get the power to do that from. God, the God that we're forging our life on. And this week, as I was preparing for this this week, this sermon, I knew what we were going to talk about, and I began to get a little bit nervous. All right? Uh, for a refresher, just so we're all on the same page, in the uh, book of Galatians, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul listed the fruit and the attributes that overflow out of us when we stay closely connected to the Spirit of God. And like we've been saying, when we, when we take our hand off the top of the cup and we let him fill the cup, it overflows. And so we're all on the same page. Let's look at Galatians chapter 5. Real quick, verses uh, 22 through 23. All right. Let me turn there. I don't have it marked. All right, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 simply says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Right? Against such things, there is no law. Right? So we've been through love. We've talked about joy and peace. And today we're going to look at the middle three attributes in that list. These three. And this is why I got a little nervous. Patience, kindness, and goodness. And here's the thing, Foundry Church. Now, I knew this. I knew we were going to come to these eventually. And I usually like to begin my message by telling a funny story or a funny example from from my life that brings you into the sermon. I work really hard at that introduction. And so I was was racking my brain for that funny story, right? For that, that time or that moment. And I was where I was patient, where I was kind and and good and, and everybody knew it. And nothing jumped out to me. And so I went to my beautiful wife, Christina, and I said, hey, I'm struggling with an introduction. Can you help me? And she said, sure. What is it about? And I said, well, I'm, I'm trying to think of a funny story where I was extra patient, where I was really kind and, and super good. And listen, Foundry Church, listen. The blank stare that I got back in return Right? It wasn't only the stare that she gave me. It was the amount of time that she just sat there and stared at me right? in silence, just blinking her eyes like Dora the Explorer in that cartoon used to do. Right? She just sat there staring at me, blinking her eyes. And I finally said, okay, thanks for, for trying. I will come up with something else, I guess. I, I think... I think by Christina's blank stare, you can tell that patience and kindness and goodness are really something that is not necessarily overflowing in my life. 
Uh, it, it may su- surprise you to find out that I'm uh, not the most emotional person out there, unless that emotion is frustration. <laughs> right? right? I, I get frustrated in line at McDonald's at the drive-thru when it takes a little bit too long. I get frustrated when people cut in line while we're driving in traffic. I get frustrated when I have to uh, repeat something more than twice to my mom because she can't hear me mumbling. Right? <laughs> I get irrationally angry uh, when I, I pay for a dinner and then the dinner is horrible. Right? Right? There's nothing worse than, than spending your hard-earned money on food that does not satisfy. Now, you remember last week's introduction, I talked about one of my favorite places, El Polio Rico, right? Well, I thought last night after the women came back from the, the, the retreat up in Baltimore, my sister's here to visit... I thought, I'm going to treat her to El Polio Rico. So I get on Uber Eats, and I go to order, and the food comes to the door, and it's not El Polio Rico I order from the wrong place. <laughs> Frustration, right? Anger. Anger. So here I am being honest with you, church. This week's sermon on patience, kindness, and goodness right, is probably more for me than it is for you, right? When, when you go to church and you hear a sermon and you think, oh, man, that preacher wrote that just about me and he doesn't even know what's going on. Well, right, that was me this week when I was preparing this sermon. God wrote this sermon for me, right? And here's where I think the issue comes from, where the, the struggle becomes real. Why I struggle so much with patience is because of this. Patience means that I'm not in control, and that's where it just all breaks down for me. Right? Patience means that I'm not in control. And let me explain. How many of you use the, the Waze app to get to work in the mornings? Right? Even if you know your route, you, most people still use the Waze app because it's not just a GPS, which it is, but it shows you the shortest possible way, and it takes into account all the other variables like, like traffic and it takes in accidents that might be on the road. It takes in the weather even. Like this road is a low-lying road and it might be prone to flooding. And, and so you want to go this way, right? It finds the fastest way for you to go. Now, I love this app. I love the Waze app because it feels like I'm getting one over on the dummies who are stuck on 95 <laughs> while I drive all the back roads, right? It makes me feel good. I feel like I'm in control. Like I have some power. But, but here's the thing that Waze cannot take into account. It cannot take into the account all the red lights right? and how long they are. You see, I may cut off 15 minutes of travel time, but I will still every once in a while get stuck at a red light that just never changes. Or even worse, it doesn't take into account the million and one school buses that are in Fairfax County, right? right? And of course, I'm going to get stuck behind one of those school buses. And then when that happens, what happens? Impatience starts to creep in. And kindness goes out the window, and you can completely forget about me being good, Right? That's where I want to pull off and take the foundry sticker off my back of the, the trunk, right? And then I, okay, then I'll finish. No, right? We like to explain away our impatience like it's just no big deal. 
That's another issue. Right? We say things like, man, I'm just worn out. That's why I'm impatient. I'm just worn out. Right? Or I'm just so busy. Right? I was distracted. The kids were being difficult. That's why I'm impatient. I, I was carrying too much at work, too much, too much of the load. Or, or our spouse was short and cold or harsh again, so I'm impatient now. I, I didn't sleep well last night. So there's, there's no patience for me. For whatever's happening. There's no kindness. There's no goodness. But really, look. Look at this, Founder Church. Impatience is simply an unwillingness to give up control. It's an unwillingness to give up control. I think most of us have a desire to be patient. All right? Nobody hears about patience and says, nope, not for me. (laughs) We're not... uninterested in pursuing patience. It's just that the natural bend, the natural bend of all of our hearts is toward ourselves. Right? Toward ourselves and always towards control. That's, that's just the natural bend. So patience is a virtue we admire and even aspire to, but from afar. Because it's not natural. Right? But, but the closer that, that it comes to us, the more it invades our, uh, invades our schedules, it invades our plans, our, our comfort, and the more uncomfortable it becomes. Right? Patience, for example, isn't glamorous. Right? It's rare that we, we talk about a friend and we say, hey, man, I just love how patient they are. You, you won't find many advertisements that use um, patience as their selling point. If you go to a business conference, they they probably won't have a breakout session on patience in the workplace. There are no office awards for the most patient employee. And so we just push on. We we just keep our our head down to the grinding stone and we ignore patience. And we strive and we hustle and we push people out of the way to get ahead. We overbook our calendars, we overbook our kids, and then we brag about it. We say it in that humble brag sort of way, like, like, oh, I'm so busy. Like, look at all the things that I have to do in the next couple of days. I'm a real important person. But really, impatience just is creeping in. It's like water going into the crack of the pavement, and then it freezes and makes the, makes the little crack a pothole. And instead of being in control, instead of having control, we we see something else happening. Our blood pressure just begins to spike. Uh, Our anxiety elevates. We snap and we say something stupid, something that's mean or even wrong. And then kindness goes flying out the window. We can forget about kindness, that attribute of the fruit of the Spirit. Our, our mood changes for the worse, and goodness, that attribute of the fruit of the Spirit, is not even a word in our vocabulary. <laughs> how can we be good? How can we be, be kind? How, how can we be patient? Right? And then, like the dummies we are, well, me, right? Like I said, this is for me. We sit down and we wonder, how in the heck did all of this happen? How did all of this happen? And then the cycle, it just starts all over again, right? We might pause for a second. How did this all happen? And then it just 
happens again. And so how do we get out of that cycle, Founder Church, and deal with this whirlwind that we're in? How do we stop losing our patience with the guy at McDonald's who doesn't know what he wants, even though he's at McDonald's and he wants a burger because that's what they have, but he can't seem to understand, right? Sorry, right? The cycle started again for me, right? Because it's that easy. It's that easy, right? This is the onion that we have to peel today with this section of the fruit of the Spirit. In a world where everyone is vying for control, how do we maintain patience, kindness, and goodness? Right? How, do we, how do we maintain this in our lives? So if you will, turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy to, let's, to unpack this. Now, if you, if you don't have a Bible, you can use the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you. And you can take those with you. They are free for you to have, to take, to give away. If you need one, want an extra one, you know someone who wants one, take those Bibles. The uh, scripture reference up there is just the reference. We're not going to put the whole verse up on the screen because we want to get used to turning to it in our Bibles. Uh, but the page number there is for the Bibles that are in the seats. All right. So as you're turning there, First Timothy is where we're going to be. And let me give you a little bit of context. The Apostle Paul, he uh, wrote this letter to a man named Timothy. Now, Paul was the one who we've been looking at for the last few weeks, uh, the one who wrote about the fruit of the Spirit passage that this series is based on. And objectively, he's the most famous and influential preacher of all time. I, this, this dude wrote, this man wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, two-thirds of the New Testament. In addition to his, his writing, he traveled, he preached, and he started something like 14 churches, right? I have enough trouble with just you guys, right? I can't, I can't imagine 14. No, I'm just, I'm teasing, all right? So, so as you can tell, he was a real go-getter, right? Paul was a real dog-in-the-fight type of guy. And that's, that's just who he was. And a younger man named Timothy became a Christian in one of these churches. And then he eventually, he accompanied Paul on several other preaching missionary type journeys around the known world. Paul coached him, coached Timothy, and taught him the ways of forging your life on Jesus. Paul guided Timothy to do that, to forge his life, a lifelong reliance upon God, and he taught Timothy to help others to do the same, just like we are called to do, to forge our life on God and to help others to do the same. So now as they were traveling together, Paul and Timothy, they came to a place where uh, Paul felt that, that Timothy was ready to stay and, and kind of take on that ministry and make it his own, right? to, to stay there for a while and to be that local church's uh, preacher. So, so Paul asked Timothy to stay and to lead the church there in that spot, this, this new church that Paul started. And after he left, Paul wrote Timothy a couple of letters and 1 Timothy here is, is one of those letters. So, so you can think of this book as a, a mentor, right? a, a coach, writing a letter to his apprentice who is now in charge of his own uh, local group of people, local group of Christians. Right? So, so let's take a look at this. Right? It will begin in verse 15. Right? 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. It says, This saying 
is a trustworthy and deserving saying of full acceptance. All right now, real quick, keep your finger there. In other words, right, Paul is saying, or Paul is writing, you might want to pay attention to this, Timothy, because what I am about to say is the real deal. It's going to be important, right? So, so verse 15, this, the, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost, right? Go ahead and just keep your finger there, right? Paul was referring to the fact that prior to following Jesus, his mission, Paul's mission in life was to actually destroy the church. That was his mission. That's what he's referring to when he says, I was the chief sinner. Right? His mission in life was to destroy the way, as it was known during this time. Right? The early church. You see, Paul, he was a real go-getter in everything that he did. It just happened that he was a go-getter at this time for the wrong side. <laughs> Before he became a Christian. Before Paul was dramatically converted to forge a lifelong reliance on Jesus, he considered the church, or like the way, like I said, to be radical, to be destructive to his, his religion, to, to his society, to his world. So he actively tried to shut them down with direct violence. But once he became a passionate follower of Jesus, once he forged his life on God, Paul hated the fact that he had once been committed to destroying such a beautiful and powerful movement. But he continued in verse 16, right? So let's look at that. He says, but I, right, Paul, but I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. <laughs> Do we see what Paul's saying here? Right, with all of that context, he is saying, look, right, God had every reason. He had every reason to get impatient with me to get angry with me, to, to punch a hole in the wall. God had every reason to do that. He would have been justified in doing that. Paul says, I was the worst of the worst. I was trying to kill God's followers. I had it out for them, his people. I had it out for everything that they stood for. God had every reason to lose his patience with me. And yet he was slow to anger. That's what he's saying. And because of that patience, the number one enemy of Christianity became its number one preacher. Its number one missionary. You see, Foundry Church, look. God. The God that we're forging our life on is a patient God. God was patient with me. The worst of all sinners, Paul says. He can certainly be patient with you. 
despite all of our, our shortcomings, all of our, all of our failures, Foundry Church, our mistakes, our sins, our selfishness, God will always be patient with us. Why? Because that's who he is. That's the God we serve. That's the God that we're forging our life on. God is patient. He can be no other way. Maybe that is why uh, when Paul wrote the famous uh, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, another letter, uh, it's famous because a lot of times we call it the love chapter, and we, we preachers, we like to read it at weddings. It's called the love chapter. You might even have something inscribed on there on your mantle around Valentine's Day or something. But when he wrote this chapter, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, he, he started his description of love by saying this. And remember, from our first week, God is love. So turn real quick and let's look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. All right, and see how he starts this description of love. All right, in the, again, in the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you, you can use those and you can take those with you. They are free for you to have and to take, and that's that page number right there. Or you can use your phone. The Foundry Burke app has a Bible tab, and today's scriptures are all pulled up there for you. But 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, just like even the first part of verse 4, he says this, love, right? The love that, that sent Jesus into this world not to condemn us, like we celebrated with communion earlier on, right? That love, that powerful love, right? Not a cheesy Valentine's Day love, but a real Powerful love, right? Love is patient and kind. Whoa. It's like God wrote the Bible, right? <laughs> Made all these connections, right? What are the first two descriptions of love? Being patient with people and being kind to them. I mean, look at that, right? Be, <laughs> being patient with people and being kind to them. But why? Right? Like we said earlier, it's so hard. Why does it have to be this? Because those were the supreme characteristics he found in the love of God. That's what Paul experienced. He experienced patience and kindness. Look at this, right? When Paul encountered God, he encountered patience and kindness. He encountered the author, the creator of those things. Sometimes when I'm, uh, when I'm doing pre-marriage counseling, and, and some of you I've done that with, I will meet with couples and I'll read them this entire chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. And then I'll come back to verse 4 and I'll say, just be patient and just be kind. Right? If that's all you do in your marriage... If that's all you do, you'll be doing a lot better than most couples, right? Spend the rest of your lives together trying to master those two things, patience and kindness. And believe me, right, it's a work, right? I got, I got to work on it. You got to, I mean, <laughs> right? Patience and kindness, right? If, there were the, if, if, if those were the first two adjectives of love, that the greatest preacher of all time chose, right, if those were the first two adjectives that he chose, then I figured they're pretty good adjectives to which we should forge our marriages on and, or any relationship that we have, including the relationship that we have 
with our communities, with our world, with each other. But as with all the other attributes in the fruit of the Spirit that we have talked about, patience and kindness, they often don't come naturally, do they? Right? And we all know that, uh, for example, I'm not one of those naturally patient people. Right? If, if you're looking for patience, you can look at my sister. She's visiting this weekend. She rolled her eyes, but she's patient. Right? She, she's a preschool teacher. Right? It comes with the territory. Right? She recently told me a story about a little boy who goes to the bathroom every single day while he's in school. And after he is done, he calls her, and he's standing there with his hands up on the wall, and he's, he's bent over like he's being patted down. Right? And you know the age, right? We have a lot of those kids downstairs. They're running downstairs, right? And he, he's yelling for her to come and help him wipe his bottom and get his pants pulled back up. And one day, he even said that his mom... His mom, thinking that it was funny, said, tell Miss Laura to say, Blue 52 set hut. <laughs> now, if you know football, you'll get that reference. <laughs> now, that's, that's funny. Right? Listen, I do not have the patience to do that with a child every day. Right? I would tell them that they need to start learning to wipe their own bottom <laughs> and that they need to get it together. And then I would tell the mom, right, not to teach them football plays as a joke, right, but to teach their kid to wipe their own bottom. Right? A preschool teacher is the epitome of patience. Right? I am not. Right? But, but thankfully, the fruit of patience is not an attribute from the Spirit of God that is up to me to produce. I don't have to produce it. And that is because, look, Foundry Church, patience and kindness are an overflow of God's love. Right? When we are connected to God, when we forge our life on God, like we've been saying, if we take our stupid hand off the top of the cup and let him fill the cup to the point where it overflows, patience, kindness, and goodness will overflow. We don't have to do the work. They are something that we get when we take our hand off that cup. When we forge our life on God and guide others to do the same. You see, when we realize, Foundry Church, when we realize that we don't have to have it all together, when we acknowledge that in some way, even the, the type A personalities that we are, the go-getters that we are, but in some way, there's something broken, something out of alignment, something missing. When, when, we, when we stop trying to wrestle with God, Foundry Church, for control, but in our humility, we can, we can gladly kneel before God with our hands spread wide, ready to patiently receive all that God has planned and given by his power. The spirit that is in that, at work within us when we make him the Lord of our lives. And just like Paul, God has never asked anyone to be patient who hasn't already received the infinite riches of his patience. Right? When, when we understand that, Foundry Church, and receive that into our lives, patience is the thing that will flow out of us to other people. 
right? When we, we sit in the amazing grace and the patience of God, when we sit in that and when we work in that and when we, we live life in that moment, we have no choice but to show it to others in our world. How amazing would that be? Let me, let me zoom out and just give some real quick practical steps. Because, because really, right, what would it look like for us right here in this room or watching online to manifest these attributes of the Spirit's fruit in our lives? Right, what would that look like? Right? We have to remember that, it, like we said, it is never our job uh, to produce this fruit ourselves. It is always the work of the tree or the vine. And our case, in the case of our lives, God is the vine, right? His spirit produces the fruit inside of us. Our job, your job, our job as individuals, our jobs as families, our job as a church, our job as a local outpost of God's kingdom here at 9800 Old King Mill Road is to stay close to him. To stay connected to him. Right? His spirit produces the fruit inside of us when we do that. Our job is to receive that love by being close to him and allow it to flow out of our lives. Right? We don't have to produce kindness and patience and goodness. Thank goodness, right? We don't have to produce it. He will produce it in us and through us. It's that overflow. There are, however, Foundry Church, a few things that I think that we can do just to put ourselves in a good position to be patient, in a good position to be kind and good to others. First, we can do this real quick. We can stop and we can notice. I mean, just think about that, right? When we study the life of Jesus, when you read the Gospels, right, When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's amazing how many times he stopped and he noticed. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, he stopped and he noticed in Luke chapter 19. In Luke chapter 8, the bleeding woman. Bartimaeus, the blind beggar. In Mark chapter 10, on and on and on it goes. Man, Foundry Church, our God, the God that we're forging our life on, right? Our God, he stopped he noticed, right? He, he, he looked, he listened, he invited, he cared, he loved, he considered, he empowered. That's our God. That's who he is. He was patient with them. And then his goodness was the natural result. Look, Foundry Church, when you truly look at, listen to, and love people, How could you not be patient and kind and good to them when we truly do that? Have you ever been to the grocery store and seen a toddler having an absolute meltdown? (laughs) Have you ever seen that? Some of you are like, yeah, my kid. Christina's like, yeah, you, Andrew. I mean, like, absolutely melting down, breaking down. They're crying, they're screaming, they're throwing themselves on the floor. Now, my first inclination is to run to the next aisle and avoid them at all costs, right? That's my first, like, I'm out of here, right? I'm not dealing with this, 
All right, but, but I was recently at a grocery store, and I saw this happening. A little boy screaming and crying, sitting on the floor. And as I was trying to hide and get away and, and you know, not do the, like, oh, when I walked by, right, that kind of thing, right, amazing thing happened. Right, another mom, a lady, I, who I assume was another mom because she had that empathy, right? Like, I've been there. I know what you're going through. She walked up to the mom of the crazy kid that was screaming, the, the kid on the floor, and she said, it's okay. You're doing a great job. You've got this. Right? That little act, that little thing, stopping, noticing, and caring, well, that changed everything. Right? Did the kid shut up? No. The kid was still screaming for the rest of their trip through the store. Right? But that mom had a little bit of encouragement to make it through. Because someone stopped, cared, noticed, right? You see, when we take the time to stop and notice a person, you often find yourself feeling a little bit more capable of patience. And from patience often overflows the action of kindness. And from that action of kindness overflows a spirit of goodness that's just contagious. Because it's rooted in who God is. (laughs) Right? If we would just look around, stop and notice the people that God has placed in our lives rather than rushing around with our busy schedules, right? how, could, how could we not be successful? Boundary Church, get this. Like, lean in. Look at me here. Right? If we took some time to stop and notice the people that God has placed in our field, in our life, Right? If we just took a moment rather than just rushing around with our busy schedules, our inward-focused itineraries, and we just looked at these people and we noticed these people, how could we not be successful in sharing the God that we're forging our life on? We all have family who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We all have neighbors who don't know their, uh, Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We all have co-workers who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And we want them to. Maybe we just need to slow down. Notice them a little bit. Give them some patience that leads to the action of kindness. What's going lead us to a spirit of goodness that's just going to rock their world. That's going to turn it upside down. That's going to expand the kingdom of God. I mean, this is what Jesus did. He was relentlessly surrounded by people who wanted his attention. He had crowds who swarmed around him. Right? They would literally cut holes in ceilings to be next to him. People constantly wanted to talk to him, yet he took time and noticed people. He looked at them and he listened to them. He was patient with them. You, you can do the same thing, Foundry Church. We can do the same thing with our, with our spouse, with our kids, with our parents, with our coworkers, with our neighbors, with, with, with people that we serve in our workplaces, right? In traffic, in line, right? You can stop, you can take a deep breath, and you can notice the people that are around you. You can have that patience, you can have that kindness, you can have that goodness, and you can spread the grace and the truth and the love of God that is going to change this world. There are all, everyone around us are all people who are created by God. They are all people God had already been patient with. He loves them, and we should too. They matter because God says that they matter, but be patient enough to notice. 
So that's the first thing. I went a little long there. The second thing we can do is this. Remember that God's patient with us. Right? God is patient. He's kind. And his goodness is amazing. It, it is, is rich with grace, mercy, and forgiveness. The best way for us to show it to other people is to remember that God has passed it on to us. In Colossians, Paul wrote this, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And that's the root of it. And it's also the same step here, remembering that God was patient with us is in part why we take communion every Sunday. To remember that he didn't condemn us, but he came and gave his life and shed his blood for us. He was patient with us. He did it for us. And that's something we can share with the world. So as the band comes back up and as we continue, imagine a world, imagine a world where people were patient, kind, and good toward you. Even if you didn't deserve it, imagine what it would be like. Wouldn't it be great to live in that type of world? Wouldn't it be nice if your family, your friends, and your coworkers showed you an abundance of these attributes, let alone the grace and the truth that comes from giving Jesus your life, right? That's the kind of world that I want to contribute to, right? These are characteristics that Jesus modeled to his followers, and the early church modeled it to the world, and they grew and they made a difference, and we're still talking about them today. It all starts by understanding that this is God's heart toward us. If you get anything today, remember this. Patience, kindness, and goodness are an overflow of God's love, that love that sent him to the cross. So when we accept that, we stay connected to it. Patience, kindness, and goodness are an overflow of that. Let's stand and sing and worship our God some more this morning.